Chapter Thirty Four of the Ordeal of Elizabeth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeanie Whitfield. Chapter Thirty Four of the Ordeal of Elizabeth by Anonymous. This was in the early summer, and Elizabeth's trial was to be in November. The time approached and nothing had been heard of Julian Gerard. Efforts were made to postpone the trial, that this important witness might have time to appear, but the influence of people like the Van Antwerps, which seems in some ways all-powerful, is in others curiously slight. The district attorney was acting in the interest of the yellow journals, and they, according to their own account, in the interest of the people which required, as they set forth in high-sounding editorials, that no more favor should be shown to Miss Van Borst than to the lowest criminal. After all, the girl's health had suffered so severely from the long confinement that it seemed a cruelty to lengthen it. Even with the hope of Gerard's return, Mr. Fenton himself was of opinion that the trial should not be postponed. He had done his best for his client, though hampered, more, perhaps, than he realized by his secret doubt of everything she said. He did not believe in this alibi, which she had trumped up, as he decided, when the one person who could confirm or deny it was safely out of the way. Yet he tried to find some other witness who remembered or imagined having seen her at the museum on the morning when she was supposed to have been in Brooklyn. No such person could be found. The case for the defense was lamentably weak. Mr. Fenton admitted the fact to himself with a shrug of the shoulders, and fell back philosophically on his conviction that no jury would send a young woman of Elizabeth's position and attractions to the electric chair. Perhaps the person most to be pitied in those days was Miss Cornelia, who had been summoned as witness for the prosecution to corroborate the testimony of Bridget O'Flaherty, her former waitress. As to her niece's words and manner on the morning after the murder, the poor lady was in a pitiful state of agitation. "'What shall I say?' she asked, looking appealingly from one to the other of Elizabeth's friends and advisers. "'Say anything,' said Mrs. Bobby hastily. "'Any any lie that you can invent.' She stopped. Mrs. Cornelia drew herself up with dignity. "'I don't think our child's cause can be helped by, by lies, Mrs. Van Antwerp,' she said. Mrs. Bobby felt herself rebuked. "'Well, I'm not given to lies myself as a rule.' she explained apologetically, but in a case like this, it seems to me that the end justifies the means. It's a doctrine brought into discredit, I know, by the Jesuits, but still it seems to have certain foundation in common sense. I don't know anything about the Jesuits, said Miss Cornelia, with some stiffness, but I shall try to act as our church would advise. Even, even if Elizabeth, here her voice broke. I think, said Bobby Van Antwerp, coming to the rescue, that Miss Cornelia is right, Eleanor. 
it is much better to tell the exact truth and fenton will make the best of it good heavens he said afterwards to his wife you don't suppose that poor lady could invent a plausible story or even keep back anything that wouldn't be brought out in cross-examination and make a worse effect than if she gave it of her own accord but upon miss cornelia the opposite side of the question was beginning to make an impression her mind moved slowly it was not easy for her to break from the old tradition her conscience had hitherto recognized the broadly drawn line between right and wrong no indefinite subtle gradations as she had said once to elizabeth fully meaning it one could always do right if one tried but if if one could not tell what the right was miss joanna sitting opposite to her in the twilight broke the silence hesitatingly i suppose sister she said i suppose you remember exactly what the poor child said that morning you haven't miss joanna caught her breath you haven't forgotten there was a note of entreaty in her voice miss cornelia could see it so plainly the breakfast table and the paper with those startling headlines and the look on elizabeth's face when she had made that extraordinary assertion a confession of guilt that was the way in which it would be construed there seemed to be no way out of it miss cornelia did not think that the most merciful jury could acquit her after that and yet the child was innocent miss cornelia knew that as surely as she knew that the bible was inspired was it reasonable was it right that she should be required to give evidence against her over miss cornelia's mind there swept a sudden sharp sense of injustice a passionate rebellion against fate but a lifelong habit of truth-telling is hard to overcome she answered miss joanna after a moment i i haven't forgotten sister she said and the hot tears scorched her eyeballs miss joanna put away her knitting with a hopeless sigh well of course sister you must speak the truth she said drearily but it does seem hard then she went out of the room crying quietly miss cornelia sat motionless in the twilight while that new tumult of rebellion still raged within her ah yes it seemed more than hard it seemed cruel and just that such a thing should be required of her those strange people the jesuits whom she had always held in horror had some reason on their side after all there were cases to which the simple old-fashioned rules of right and wrong did not apply which were extraordinarily unprecedented miss cornelia could not help asking herself with a thrill of self-condemnation indeed and yet another feeling which defended the question whether in certain circumstances the wrong were not more to be commended wiser better than the right 
she spent a sleepless night thinking it over the whole foundations of her life of her faith seemed shaken she looked the next morning so exhausted when she went down as usual to the tombs that elizabeth at once divined that some new misfortune had happened and it was not long before she drew it out of her she sat for a long time very still one hand clasping miss cornelius the fingers of the other tapping on the ledge of the wall beside her of course auntie she said at last quietly you must tell exactly what happened there's no good to be gained by lies at least she made an attempt at a smile my own success in that mind hasn't been very striking i was a little out of my head that morning and i don't remember exactly what i said but whatever it was she raised her head proudly i don't want anything kept back let them know the whole truth then if they condemn me well and good at least i shan't have anything her voice faltered anything more to reproach myself with elizabeth the old woman gave at her admiringly you are so brave you are a, a lesson to me but you you don't realize my darling sobs choked her voice oh yes i realize a pale smile flitted across the girl's face i have realized quite clearly all these months but that's no reason auntie why you should save me by lies and then she turned the subject and began to talk calmly enough about one of the women prisoners in whose case she took a keen interest nothing more was said about her own affairs she had relapsed since that conversation months before with mrs bobby into her old reserve and spoke very little of herself the cooler weather was helping her she seemed stronger and always quite calm miss cornelia went away feeling rebuked for her own cowardice elizabeth was right she thought with a pang of self-reproach nothing but the truth must be told in her defence but meantime miss cornelia tried to reconcile two opposite instincts offering up day and night two apparently irreconcilable petitions that she might be enabled to speak the truth exactly and yet do no harm to her niece's cause end of chapter 34